0: Pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with quince. go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365 day returns
3: Jane Pick, Pickett of the Islandwood veterinary Hospital in Newmarket part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group uh, joins me on this Thursday afternoon. Good afternoon to you Jane.
1: Good afternoon, Patricia. And you
3: are very welcome. Pet questions uh, coming into us uh, to jump all 0818-103103. And you can also uh, text I can see text and WhatsApp's coming into 0862 103103. 103. Okay, let's start with Nula in Rochester, who has a Bichon Freeze neutered five year old. He has begun limping just on one leg. We don't think it was an injury, but there does seem to be a small lump appearing on one of his joints, what could that all be about?
1: Okay, that's interesting. So a limp will generally be an indicator of discomfort or pain in dogs. Um, sometimes they, I suppose the classic things that we think of when we interpret pet pain is kind of yelping or whinging, but really 99% of the time, pets are a lot more silent than that. They're a lot more guarded. They tend to try and hold, like, um, hide their pain essentially, because that's, that's how they are kind of evolutionarily built. So normally when they're limping, they are painful. Now, the swelling or the little lump that's appeared on the joint is most likely a joint swelling. Now, little lumps and bumps and bone growths are also possible, but in, in a relatively young dog are less likely. And if this, if, the, if this kind of limping started all of a sudden, it could well be swelling, so swelling of the joint fluid. So inside in our joints, We have lots of really clever things that help our joints to keep moving despite the pressure we put on them. So we have cartilage, which kind of acts like cushioning so that every step we take, that takes a little bit of the force. So sometimes they can have damage to the cartilage and that way it means that the force that's going through the leg as they walk is a little bit more uncomfortable. And also we have some fluid in there. So it's actually really normal for us to have fluid inside our joints in normal amounts. And that kind of provides another lubricating cushioning effect so that as we move the limb and the joint can move really freely and it absorbs some of the pressure. So sometimes when we see lumps or bumps on or over a joint, sometimes it can be a build up of fluid and it almost begins to bulge. So that would be one of the more common things if there's a problem with that joint. But as I say, lumps and bumps of the bone itself are possible as well but less frequent i would say for this little dog if it's limping and even though you can't think of an injury that might have happened dogs are crafty little creatures they can get up to all sorts when we're not looking so an injury is possible I would say you need to bring your dog along to the vet and when you go to your vet, just have a think before you go about how long it's been going on, what you guys were doing as regards walking and activity and playing with other dogs in in the days and let's say week before it started, just so that will be able to give your vet a little bit more information about what might likely have happened and I'm sure your vet will take a really good look at the limb um, and it may be the case that your vet might recommend further tests, so They may recommend something like an x-ray and that's a really good imaging tool that allows us to see the the bones and the joints really, really well. But your vet will let you know after examining your pet what's the most appropriate course of action. But best of luck with that. I think a a visit to your trip, a trip to your vet is in order.
3: Okay, I don't know if you remember to do this or not but a lady, uh, one of our listeners said I contacted you about a fortnight ago about peppermint oil around my doors. I want to spray it to deter spiders but I'm worried about my cats. Uh, Jane was going to check out whether it was poisonous for cats or not. Apologies if I missed the answer but I didn't hear last week's uh, segment. Did you ever get to check that?
1: I did. I, I checked it up really really toxic for cats ah. not what I would recommend Um, its efficacy in keeping spiders away is a little bit dubious too so what I'd say is to be safe if you have cats around I would really really try and stay away from peppermint oil Um, I suppose as for getting rid of the spiders that's not my my area of expertise okay. but in keeping the cats safe it's not something I would risk them getting into contact with um, so even if you're putting it on the inside of your door as you open and close the door obviously it will spread it around a little bit and obviously you will have contact with it as you move through the door and I assume you probably have contact with the cats so it may be indirect that they might have contact with it even if it is just in, in, in the door frame itself but I would say that it will be safest not to go down that route yeah. from a cat safety okay. point of view. Okay,
3: well done, well done. Hi Patricia I, and Jane. I have a three-year-old hen with sour croup. She was recovering well but she's now lost a lot of weight. Is there any food I can give her to help her put back on some of that weight? I am plan- planning on bringing To the vet, if she doesn't improve,
1: okay. I would say if she's not putting back on weight go to your vet and get her assessed. With chickens, I suppose I'll put my hands up and say they're not my area of expertise. But what I do know about chickens is they're not the most resilient creatures. If they've been unwell and they're struggling to recover, it's really best to try and get veterinary attention early so that you can intervene and assess if there's anything underlying going on that might be stopping them recovering fully. And also, if you if you contact a vet that is experienced with chickens or is happy, happy to deal with that species, they'd be able to best guide you as to what diet from a recuperation point of view would be appropriate. But I'm afraid not my area of expertise and I wouldn't like to lead you lead you astray.
3: Okay, breathe in Mallow is the lady who's been on to us for the last number of weeks because she's been doing the trap, neuter and uh, release on uh, um, feral cats in her garden. She wants to know, she said, could you please ask Jane if neutered cats can still mate? I know it sounds like a silly question but the little feral female I trapped about three weeks ago, I've only seen her come back for food maybe once or twice. She's now a nervous wreck and, and when she do, did come back she has been attacking her kittens who are living in my garden. By the way, the feral male cat that I fed for at least five years is kinder to the kittens he isn't neutered as I feel he's too old now okay so go on the female cat first they they, they don't still mate once they've been neutered do
1: um, they? it's less it's less likely okay um after they've been neutered, they won't be able to get pregnant, yeah. Um, is what I will say. Um, cats, I suppose, they can still mate and be seen to be mate, but they don't really have the kind of hormonal drive to get involved in that business, okay. Um, so, it is rare possible, but if they have been spayed, they won't be able to get pregnant, which is good news for the, the feral cat population. As regards her being a little bit nervous, it is quite natural, and we see that quite a lot with, let's say, trap neuter release schemes, and um, that after they have been neutered, sometimes they can be a little skittish for a few weeks but they soon settle down and settle back into routine um, but obviously for a, a semi-feral cat you know being taken out of their environment to, to be neutered, it's a really great thing to do for the feral popu- feral cat population, which is exploding as we speak. So it's really, really important to do, but it is a I suppose it is a big change for them, particularly when they're probably not used to a lot of human contact. So it's it's necessary, it's really beneficial, but it can make them a bit skittish for a few weeks, but but they will settle set down. That. Now the male
3: cat at five, is, is, is that
1: too old for neutering? No, not too old for neutering at all. Uh, Provided he's otherwise healthy in himself, I would say the best thing to do would probably be to get that little boy neutered. Um, I'd say, you know, it's never really too late to neuter, particularly in a feral cat population, because he will probably be out and about Meeting lots of lady cats, so whatever you can do to to reduce the exploding cat population is is a great thing. And I'd say at five, he's he's not too old. As and if too, you've got,
3: well. and if the kittens are living in the garden, they'll be the next, you know, exactly. with, with that male. Yes. So yeah, so, so so get moving on that. Okay, um, Danny uh, is, is planning this weekend to introduce a three-month-old kitten to what he describes as a pamper. Cocker Spaniel, a two-year-old, will they eventually get on? He's planning on them both being indoor pets.
1: Um, Yes, I would say they'll most likely adapt to each other. They may not be keen on the idea, particularly the the dog in the household that's kind of the established pet may not be so happy about the the new arrival to begin with. I think the really key thing in introducing a new pet, particularly kind of a a new pet that's young and small and a bit more fragile into a house with an already established pet is to really take it slow. I I really think that there's a lot of temptation to, you know, just, you know, put them in together and expect them to be the best of friends straight away. and, And that's not realistic. It's going to take a few months for everything to settle down. And I really think that the main thing I would say is just make sure your kitten is really, really safe, supervised and very gradual play. I probably wouldn't let them come into contact, like physical contact with each other at all for the next three or four weeks. I would let them see and smell each other from far away, probably even for the first week. Just have the kitten in the house and don't try and make any any introductions just yet really patience is the way to go and just making sure they're both safe And particularly if the existing dog is not particularly used to cats which we don't know in this situation but that would make things a little bit more difficult but what I would really urge is just absolute patience this is going to take a while they won't be the best of friends straight away it'll take a little while for them to to find their little groove and, and to tolerate and potentially be friends by the
3: end of it Because the kitten can also do damage to the dog even if the dog is very placid like the kitten can scratch
1: exactly they can do and I think particularly young kittens they it, and most of them haven't really learned social cat manners by the age of age of three or four months so they have a little bit of learning to do as well so they can be unpredictable and little flighty creatures as well um, so from both sides yes indeed a bit of a danger to each other so I think really just respecting their boundaries and giving them adequate time to kind of acclimatise to each other without pressuring them into contact is, is really the safest way but to but
3: many, many do get on and, and it can be a wonderful yeah. relationship between dogs and cats it can be really Absolutely. gorgeous alright Jane is over always thank you for that and uh, we'll chat you again next Thursday Brilliant Thank you very much Good afternoon That is Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group